Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. And welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I'm your other coach, Mr. Donnie Cage. (laughs) How's it going, bro? Good. How about you? Oh, man. After this weekend, I am fantastic. Fantastic. What a weekend for wrestling fans everywhere. Indeed. All right, so if this is your first time listening to us, uh, we do drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday. Uh, Donnie does have his own podcast that he created and co-hosts with. Sir, go ahead and tell everybody about that. So if you uh, would like to listen to me outside of Against the Matt Wrestling Podcast, I'm also co-host of the Uncaged Voice Podcast, which can be seen on uh, Twitch and YouTube. I co-host it with Top Tier Brian and Jigsaw Jester. And uh, for those of you that uh, like to follow up on news and hear some interesting uh, interviews, by the way, uh, to, uh, T. LaToya uh, Cunningham, I uh, just did an interview with her on the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Uh, she is actually having a virtual conference um, on the October 24th. So that episode will be up tomorrow, so check it out. Also, I'll be interviewing uh, uh, Mark... Sylvistic, he's a author and a uh, survivor, and uh, I've got another interview set up. That's the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Also, right here on Against the Mat Podcast, this Friday, we will have our special guest back with us to talk about his last match coming up. And what's his name, sir? Warren Marlowe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know a lot of you uh, enjoyed him, got a lot of good feedback the last couple times he's been on. And uh, he will be with us uh, on Friday's episode. Uh, He's going to grace us with his presence. Uh, If you ever want to be a guest yourself on the show, you can always reach out to uh, Donnie or myself. Now, oh, let me give this email first. OLKentucky spelled out 99 at yahoo.com. OLKentucky 99 at yahoo.com. So a ton of emails come in over the weekend uh, asking uh, Donnie and myself, about our reaction for Extreme Rules. I promise you we're going to cover that in this episode. We're going to combine them all together because we're going to answer it anyways and go through our predictions. So you guys will hear exactly what we thought about Extreme Rules. Um, So, uh, yeah, so let's get started. Uh, Donnie, we have uh, the fantasy booking uh, this episode, and uh, go ahead and let Mr. Cage, the inventor of this fantastic, fantastic, uh, a, a segment of the show, and it's fantastic book. And basically, you can pick a former star, current star, or what have you. And uh, if you book them 
differently. You can actually tell how you would book them differently and uh, change their career uh, or their career path entirely. So I'll turn it over to Mr. Cage. Thank you, Kentucky guy. So my pick this week, I sort of hinted at it when I introduced myself earlier uh, with that uh, with that bombastic uh, introduction for Donny Cage when I said, Mr. Donny Cage. Um, so my fantasy booking pick for the week is the former Mr. Kennedy, also known as Mr. Anderson. Kennedy. In TNA. Kennedy. Kennedy. Have one of the coolest intros of all time. One of the most obnoxious uh, people to ever uh, pick up a mic. But uh, he was red hot back in 2007. And he had won the Money in the Bank briefcase at WrestleMania 23. And it looked like he was in the midst of a major main event push. This guy was going to get rocketed to the top. And he had all the tools. He was a pretty solid wrestler. And he was great on the mic. And he had a good, it had a unique look. But... He suffered an injury at one point, and it was believed that he was going to miss some significant ring time. And so they did this segment where Edge beat him in a quick match and ended up winning the Money in the Bank briefcase from Mr. Kennedy. And Mr. Kennedy, soon after, I remember, was facing a suspension because of his alleged role in a steroid ring, which was a big controversy in WWE at that time. And his career never fully recovered after that. They tried to get him over at one point as a babyface. He went out with another injury. He came back, and there was an infamous spot in the ring where he basically dropped Randy Orton on his head. Randy Orton ended up complaining to officials backstage, and Mr. Kennedy ended up getting fired. Now, he eventually, he wound up in TNA Wrestling, did fairly well for himself there, had some pretty good feuds with Kurt Angle and Jeff Hardy. He was a member of Aces and Eights, but he never reached his full potential. And honestly, if I was the fantasy booker, I mean, I wouldn't have waited long to pull the trigger on him cashing in his money in the bank briefcase. I would have done it, you know, as soon as a couple of nights after WrestleMania. And I would have had him win one of the belts and and hold on to it for a good while and be at the top of the card where he belonged. And maybe they could have actually executed that storyline where in kayfabe, he was actually going to be Vince McMahon's illegitimate son, which I always thought they were sort of hinting at, but never actually ended up, like I said, pulling the trigger on it. And to me, Mr. Kennedy is one, Mr. Anderson is one of the biggest missed opportunities in WWE history. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny that you brought up Mr. Anderson or Mr. Kennedy. Uh, he, uh, he was one of my favorite wrestlers when he was in the WWE. Uh, he, he, uh, as you mentioned, he had the old school uh, personality about him in the wrestling ring, like his tools and everything. And I really enjoyed watching him on the mic and wrestling. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I could not agree more. Man, you jerk. He was actually on my uh, list to do one of these songs. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good pick, man. Very good pick. <clears throat> All right. So, uh <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Okay, so it's my turn. All right, so the next one. My pick this week for this episode uh, is somebody who is actually, they're actually still wrestling, uh, believe it or not. Uh, they're not, they're more managing 
than wrestling now, but they do get in the ring and get involved quite a bit. Uh, and it may shock some of you uh, for him even being on this list, but my fantasy booking this week is Steve Border, Borden, a.k.a. Sting, and Sting's appearance in WWE. WWE only, not WCW, TNA, or AEW. WWE, because they truly blew it. Let's go over what happened. Uh, Sting, who was, and I'm not going to go over all of his accolades because it'll take the entire show, uh, but he was 16 times world champion in different promotions. He was 15 times tag team world champions in different promotions. Finally, and this is all before coming to the WWE, this is none of that's counting AEW, which I don't think he's had any titles there, but anyways, uh, this is, uh, or yeah, because he was in TNA before he came to WWE, so yes. So finally, all these years, anybody that watched WCW, I was a fan of WCW, I watched it right till they went out, and we always wondered where Sting was going to go. Why was he on TNA? Why was he not in WWE? And finally, 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 in 2014, uh, he signed with WWE. However, he signed early that year with them. They made his debut actually until Survivor Series later that year. We all know what month Survivor Series is in, uh, where he runs down the ring, he attacks Triple H, and he helps Dolph Ziggler pin Seth Rollins. And right then and there, that match was supposed to end the authorities reign over the WWE. The authority, however, was eventually reinstated, and Sting was scheduled for a match with Triple H at WrestleMania. The match was, this match was kind of interesting, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Because there was no stakes in the match. Uh, the uh, They didn't put uh, the authority or Triple H's power on the line. Uh, they didn't put uh, Sting's career on the line, there was no belts. There was nothing. It was basically like a grudge match, but these two never had a grudge. They were in two different promotions their entire career. Uh, so it was basically the way uh, Sting did a promo. I'll never forget this before the match, and he said in that promo, uh, "This is not about WCW." However, right after the promo and all the way up to WrestleMania. WWE kept pushing and pushing that this was WWE versus WCW, the last stand, the last stand is what, it, what we kept hearing. Uh, and, you know, um, <laughs> and it goes again. They started showing great heroes who wrestled against The Rock and Steve Austin and Triple H. It was frankly, I think it, was, it showed me uh, now that I think about it, it was like a sign of insecurity on Vince McMahon's part with Sting being there. So a legend comes into your company for the first time, and there's all kinds of hype, right? Sting never lost to any hype in TNA. He was a uh, multi-time champion there, multi-time uh, uh, tag champion there. He was a part of uh, Kurt Angle's group at one time, the Mafia. Uh, it, he was just main event Mafia. So he, come, he finally comes there. He's got all this fan and all this hype behind him. And you book him to lose his first match. So he goes to WrestleMania and fights Triple H, and he loses the match. And 
<laughs> this is the first of four WWE matches he loses, by the way. He only won one match the entire his entire career in uh, WWE, and that was a tag team match where he uh, made uh, Seth Rollins tap out uh, in the uh, in the uh, Stinger uh, the shoot uh, <laughs> guys Scorpion Death. Thank you. I kept. I'm trying to put uh, Bret Hart's move and his move together in the same sentence. Yes, thank you. The Scorpion Death Lock. Uh, so yeah, so I, I don't know. He was uh, he was famously the one wrestler who had never signed from WCW with WWE after it ended. Uh, Booker T, uh, DDP went there. Uh, so his anticipation was so uh, so so looked forward to. And here's the biggest miss of all. So if I had to do it different, right? Back then, 2014, The Undertaker was still wrestling. He was still active. That should have been the match. That's the match that true wrestling fans wanted to see was The Undertaker and Sting. Let Sting wrestle a few matches on Raw or SmackDown, get some wind under their belt. He, he doesn't have to be the one to take the streak away from The Undertaker if you're going to have him lose at WrestleMania anyways. It makes more sense the two icons of the two companies facing each other and that's my take for this episode man your thoughts you hit on so many great points kentucky guy and i absolutely agree with you a hundred percent that regardless of whether it was the only match he ever worked in wwe or whether he worked a couple matches prior to that to to to, to just get uh, acclimated to the wwe audience more and um, then wrestled The Undertaker, that should have been the marquee match. There's no question about it. And if they were going to have him wrestle Triple H first, that's fine, but he would have to beat Triple H, and there would have to be more stakes involved in the match. Not only that, but there was interference in the match from the NWO and, and DX, which it was great for a nostalgic pop, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense because if you think about it, especially in the latter half of his career, Sting, for the most part, was more of a lone wolf who fought his own battles. Why would the NWO, who he spent the majority of his WCW career feuding with, come out to help Sting? So that didn't make any sense. Not to mention, like you said, the match that everybody wanted to see if Sting ever set foot in a WWE ring was the Icon versus the Phenom, Sting versus the Undertaker. And I don't know why we never got that match, but I'm guessing it was Vince McMahon's call. And that's then that's why, but that, that was a big disappointment. And Sting's overall booking in the WWE was very disappointing. He was not made to look strong. He was just made to look like a, like a leftover relic from WCW. Fortunately, his TNA run went really well, and now he's been treated with a lot of respect in his AEW run as well. Yeah, you brought up a good point there. Uh, I forgot about the in, uh, the uh, interference with uh, DX and NWO. Here's here's the same thought. When you were talking about that, this is the same thought I had that night that that happened when I was watching that WrestleMania was, wait a minute, the NWO was supposed to be anti-WCW. And Sting is supposed to be representing, according to all the promotions and uh, commercials leading up to this match, he's supposed to be representing 
WCW. So why are they helping him? I remember thinking that. I just thought that again uh, when you brought that up. So that was a very good point. So uh, before we get into uh, Dynamite or uh, Sm- or Rampage or SmackDown results, we're, let's talk about what everybody's talking about right now. And that is probably one of the best pay-per-views I've seen in a very long time in Extreme Rules. And uh, so we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll talk about our picks and we'll talk about the matches a little bit. We'll go down the same way, uh, the same line that we did on the last episode when we actually made our predictions. Uh, the first match on the list was the SmackDown's Women's Championship, uh, Liv Morgan versus Ronnie, uh, Ronda Rousey. Uh, Donnie and I both picked Ronda to win this match. She did win the match with a, uh, with a killer uh, submission move. However, that wasn't the main story of the match, I don't think. Yeah, Liv Morgan lost her belt, but Liv Morgan's face when she when she got choked out, and then after the after when Ronda Rousey was leaving with the belt, she was smiling like it was like it was like she was possessed. And then they show her in the blocker room. They try to do an interview with her, and you can tell she's upset. She's been crying, but she still has that crazy look on her eye. So now I've got to wonder because I know Liv Morgan has been dating uh, Bo Dallas, who is Bray Wyatt's brother in real life. Um, I know that they've been dating forever and I'm just wondering if, uh, if she's going to play a role in this new Wyatt family or, or what it, it, it's kind of odd. Uh, your thoughts. I am curious to see where they're going to go with this. Cause her, her reaction is not the normal reaction you would have when someone gets you in a chokehold and, and you start to slowly pass out and lose your consciousness. Um, so I, I am curious to see what's going to happen there. Um, as far as this, is this the end of her feud with Ronda Rousey? Well, you never know. They might, they might try to stretch it out and give us one more match between the two of them. Um, I do have a theory about where they're going to go with both the SmackDown and the, and the raw women's championship in the near future, which I'll talk about a little more as we go along. But, uh, yeah, I thought this was a decent enough match. I'm glad they didn't make Liv Morgan look like she was completely useless. At least she put up a fight this time and Ronda had to earn the victory. The last time I seen someone smile being put to sleep like that in the wrestling ring was Raven. <laughs> that was the last time, uh, the last time I ever seen anything like that. So, uh, that definitely, and it has a lot of people speculating and talking and, uh, uh, I, I just I think she might have something to do with the new Wyatts. I don't know, uh, but it'll be interesting, and we'll get like you said, we, we'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, if you haven't watched Extreme Rules yet, uh, first of all, shame on you. You need to go watch it, and then second, you may want to skip forward in the podcast because we're going to go over every match and give you the results. Uh, the Raw Women's Championship. Oh, my God, this is the match. This is the match where I threw the remote at the television, got up, and stormed out. Uh, we had Bianca Belair, old ponytail girl herself, uh, going against Bailey. Um, let's see. Uh, so Bianca Belair wins. Uh, actually, both of us picked Bailey to win. I was very, very surprised. I don't understand why they have to make this girl seem like she's instructable. I mean, you had you had the setup when... Uh, Bailey's faction came out there. You you had it. You didn't. Alexa Bliss, Oscar wasn't there. 
I mean, it was done, but no, 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 no. She's got to take out everybody and do the kiss of death or whatever the crap her move is called on Bailey on a ladder looking like she's going to break her in half. Uh, the only way this would have worked in my eyes, I, I thought this was a horrible way to end this match. The only way this could have ended in my eyes would be Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair maybe coming out there and costing Bailey the title. But to have her just do it like that and like she's Superwoman is a bunch of crap. Your thoughts? Well, I I mean, we both predicted it wrong, which I was kind of surprised by. I really thought we were going to see a new Raw Women's Champion. However, now that we've seen the end result, this is actually my theory as to where they're going to go with this. A lot of people assumed that because she was on SmackDown before she went out, that Charlotte Flair was going to come back to SmackDown. I don't think that's going to happen. I think she's going to come back to Raw, and I think she's going to challenge Bianca Belair, and either it's going to be a one-on-one feud between the two of them, or Bailey is still going to continue going after the title, and it's going to be a three-way feud, um, which could culminate in a great match and will likely lead to a new champion at that point, either Charlotte Flair or or Bailey. But that's the only possible thought that I could have as to why Bianca retained at Extreme Rules. Yeah, you can't bring Bailey back and not have her chasing the title. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <clears throat> so, yeah, I could see a three-way dance with, uh, you know, Becky Lynch. Uh, she is not a uh, – uh, she's due back soon as well. So, yeah, it, it could be – I don't know. The possibilities are endless, right? Uh, it's just uh, – I don't know. I, I didn't care much for that, the way that match ended. And it's not – yes, I'm not a fan of Bianca Belair, but I think I would have felt the same way if it had been anybody trying to make them look uh, – indestructible (laughs) so anyways the next one we had on the card now this was actually the main event of the night um and this was a great match it really was uh donnie you picked the correct winner in it in matt riddle but it was a great match uh i thought both of these guys seth rollins and that i really thought they seth would have won it but they may be building him to win tonight and maybe take the title from lashley i don't know but uh they had a uh, guest from the UFC referee, and uh, this was just a great match. This is the first one. I never did watch the first one that Riddle was in, and uh, this is the first time I've seen this fight pit match, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I think they should do it more often. Your thoughts? It was really well executed. Both guys looked strong in this match. Seth Rollins didn't look weak in defeat. I mean, Riddle had to go through a lot to uh, – to defeat the architect. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I called it, I said, this is, this is a Matt Riddle type match because of his UFC background. I said, if I were to predict, I think he's going to take this one. And, um, you know, I, I think this really is going to close the book on their feud. I think they're both going to move on to new things. Um, I, I heard you say Seth might take the, the, the belt off of the almighty. I, I, I still don't agree with that, but anything can happen. It's the WWE and he, he might figure out a way. Well, no, I didn't say he'd take it off of him cleanly, right? <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I agree 100%. I think this should this this definitely needs to be the end of this feud. It, it needs to be done and over with and move on. Uh, and then the next match, and I thought, actually, 
Uh, I just, I think I enjoyed this match better than I did any other match through the night. Uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, a lot of drama, a lot of things happening. And that was Edge uh, versus Finn Balor. I quit match. Um, I picked uh, Finn, and you did as well, to win the match, Judgment Day. And I thought it was great. I thought Judgment Day showed uh, that they're not going to be pushed around, and they worked as a unit. It was the first time that we actually seen a little bit of physicality between uh, Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Uh, and th- so they've been building it long enough. It's about time one of them put their hands on the other. Uh, and uh, I just thought it was great. At the end, you know, when they were threatening to uh, uh, hit uh, Edge's wife with the chair, the concerto, and Edge finally says, I quit. That's the only way you're going to get either one of these guys to say, I quit. Uh, and then she goes ahead and hits her with it anyways. That just blew my mind, man. We don't see that enough. We don't see that anymore in the WWE. I thought that was fantastic. And Vin Balor walking. I mean, he's such a great heel. And he's finally getting the props that he deserves. Walking out of the arena saying, I never quit. I never quit. Loved it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, Like I said, this is probably my favorite match. Your thoughts? Yep. Yeah, another one really, really well done. Made both guys look strong. The, the right guy won this match, let's face it. And Judgment Day looked e- even more sadistic than they have up until this point. I mean, this is really how they should have been booked from the very beginning. And um, in, the, in the beginning, they were really dropping the ball. And I thought this stable was just going to disband at some point. And it was going to be one of those footnotes in WWE history. But it's almost like when they added Dominic Mysterio to the to the group, it, it gave them that extra jolt of life that they needed. And they, they've been riding high ever since. And I hope it, hope it continues for Judgment Day. If that boy could sharpen his in-ring ability, uh, he'd have it made. That's all he likes is just sharpen just a little bit of his in-ring ability. He makes it an incredible member of Judgment Day. Uh, he just got a little bit of work to do, uh, but I have to take everything bad that I used to say about Rhea Ripley back because she is the driving force of this faction. Uh, her, uh, <laughs> she, she, was, she played a huge role in the win, and she played a huge role in everything and building the drama that's going to continue. So we know that it's not over. Uh, with Edge and in, in Judgment Day, of course they just injured his wife. But what I'm wondering, and I want to ask you about this before we move on, we have War Games coming up. Could it be Edge's team versus Judgment Day? Is that possible? Your thoughts? It's definitely possible because I mean Judgment Day has four members now, one of which is obviously a female wrestler. And if you get Edge teaming up with Beth Phoenix and uh, Rey Mysterio and one other person, you could, in theory, have a War Games match there. It's a possibility. Yeah, I think War Games is normally five competitors. Uh, so Edge would have to pick up four and four more people. And Judgment Day, they pick up AJ Styles in my head. And then there you go. <laughs> uh, the next match, the next match was okay. Um, it was. I enjoyed it. It wasn't, uh, even though one of the worst wrestlers I think out there right now was in it, uh, it was still a pretty good match. And that's a strap match uh, with uh, Karrion Cross and uh, 
Drew McIntyre. One thing that come out of this, man, uh, Karrion Cross did win, uh, and I think we both, yeah, we both picked him. But one thing that come out of this match is how big a role his wife is going to play uh, in his uh, development and in his push in the main event roster. I now firmly believe, after watching that match, that he is no part, he has no part of the White Rabbit or Bray Wyatt's faction. Uh, your thoughts? I, I 100% agree. I don't think there's any there's any connection between him and uh, him and the White Rabbit. Um, well, we found out there, of course, that there was no connection. But um, yeah, I, I kind of like this match because it was very much like an old school strap match. It felt like something you'd see in the 80s or maybe the early 90s in like WWF or WCW. It wasn't super fancy. It was just basically two hosses battling it out using the strap as a weapon. I especially love that, that, that part where they were in the middle of the ring and first they were exchanging punches. Then they were exchanging strap shots, which, which the crowd was really into that. And the ending to the match, this is my only criticism about the ending. I think it worked, but when Scarlett jumped into the ring, I wouldn't have had that like 10 second stare down between her and Drew McIntyre. I would have just had her jump in the ring, pepper spray him right away. And then Karrion Cross picks up the broken pieces and scores the win. That was my only complaint about the ending of that match. Yeah. Um, now, I had a different ending in my mind. But, yeah, you're you're right. I, the ending that could have been a little bit different. Um, I would have liked to have seen her bring out the pepper spray. Uh, Drew McIntyre actually hit her with a claymore. And Karrion Cross picks up the pepper spray and sprays Drew McIntyre and gets the win. But, yeah, you're right. There There could have been a little bit of a tweak there. But. You know, they still got the pop, uh, uh, carrying cross. Like, they both look good in the match, and carrying cross shows that he's uh, definitely a main eventer now. And uh, I think it was a good redeem story for him, uh, his first major pay per view uh, back on the roster. Uh, let's see. Then we had the Brawling uh, Brutes versus uh, Imperio in a good old fashioned Donnie Brook match. <clears throat> first Donnie Brook match I ever watched. Uh, very entertaining. Um, uh, I picked uh, Imperial to win. You picked the Brawling Brutes. The Brawling Brutes actually won. I tell you something, though. The way that uh, SmackDown ended with Sheamus when he lost that, he looked like he was out for redemption. I do not think for one second that this feud is over, and I see a, par- a, a third match for the Intercontinental title between Gunther and Sheamus. But I thought this was a good match. Uh, it wasn't a great match, but I thought it was pretty good, very good. And when I say great, you have to look at what took place, you know, the other matches that took place. Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins, Karrion Cross and uh, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, uh, who kept doing the coup de grace to edge. I just, I mean, yeah, so it was a good match, but it wasn't great compared to the other ones, but it was a good match. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a good way to open the show. It was just a wild brawl between the two uh, between the two teams. I, I thought the real standout guy in this match was was Butch, aka Pete Dunne, because he got to do a few more Pete Dunne like things in the match, which is what got him over from the beginning when he was in NXT and NXT UK. So I I keep wondering when they're going to pull the trigger on renaming renaming him Pete Dunne once again. Uh, but yeah, this was a good showcase, and I absolutely agree 100%. The Gunther-Sheamus feud is far from over. 
All right, so let's move on to uh, Rampage uh, results. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> let's get to what everybody's waiting for. All right, so as I mentioned, Seth Rollins and uh, Matt Riddle was the final match of the night. Okay? There are special referees holding Riddle's hands up, walking down the ramp. The lights go out everywhere. And then people in the audience, which is so cool that they just they just went ahead and done it. Uh, they started lighting up their cell phones and the fireflies. The fireflies filled the arena. And we started hearing Bray Wyatt singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. Michael Cole. <laughs> it's so great that this is this this is this was amazing and they did it at the perfect time i was disappointed i thought it was going off the air michael cole says to Corey graves uh Corey, are we still are we still live and then a light pops up and it shows huskis the pig and the crowd's going crazy i mean they're going nuts i mean i this is one time in a long, this is the first time in a long time that I actually wish that I was at, at the arena myself. But they go crazy, and then on the other side, uh, another part of the uh, the auditorium, a light comes on, and there's Mercy the Buzzard. And these aren't the puppets; these are people with these costumes on. <laughs> uh, and you know, <laughs> then uh, Corey Graves and Michael Cole, the light shines on their desk. And there's a mask, a fiend mask, on their desk, and it scares the crap out of them. They jump and that. I mean, they played it beautifully. And then a light shines on the other side of the ring. And, oh, my goodness, there is Abby the Witch. And right next to her is who I thought at the, at the time was the fiend. And it was the fiend, but it wasn't Bray Wyatt dressed as a fiend. We'll get to that in a minute. And then it shows the rambling rabbit. And I'm sitting here, and I am eating it up because I have thought for a while now that they were going to bring those characters to life. And there they were. And then it goes, and it shows an old, dirty, full of cobwebs, funhouse. And there's a TV screen there. And the TV screen has, like, an odd interruption with someone in a mask on it. Uh, like, they're trying to uh, break into it. Like, it's trying to show them. It, it reminded me of uh, that group uh, Anonymous when they used to do interceptions back in the day in the programs and the news and stuff. And so it shows that for a minute. None of this, this is all timed perfectly. It's like watching a movie. And then an illuminating blue light starts shining behind this door. Now, at that time, I didn't realize that the, it was actually paying respect to the late Brody Lee, which is pretty cool, man pretty cool but then a man walks out and we see a lantern in front of him we know who it is <laughs> we know who it is bray wyatt he's got a different mask on but that's not his character because he rips that mask off and reveals that it's him and he only says three words i'm back i am back and he blows the lantern out this is one of, if not the best, return, uh, wrestling wrestlers returning to the shows I've ever seen in my life. If it's not, it was perfect. If it's not the best. Uh, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, they they executed this perfectly, and I'm, I'm glad that they waited until the very end of the show. And they kept building it up, and, you know, just one dramatic moment after another, having the characters from the Funhouse come, ali- uh, uh, come alive in the crowd, and then the big reveal of Bray at the end. Uh, I mean, I just, uh, all, all I'm thinking to myself is WWE, you've seen the reaction you got tonight. You could literally print money with this guy. Do not muck it up. And, and I don't I don't believe they will. Um, but I have to be honest about one thing. And, and this was very, very cool, uh, seeing these uh, puppets. And I actually got some stuff wrote down here on what each puppet means. I'd like to go over real quick. But before I get to that, um, I, I, I love seeing these human puppets, right? They come to life. But I did pay very close attention to, and I'm going to ask you about this before I go any further, uh, to their costumes. I can't see, this might have only been a one-time thing because I can't see uh, them wrestling in that gear uh, that they had on. I, I can't see any of them being able to move and wrestle in it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it was just a one-time thing with these uh, characters coming to life. I, I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that Bray is going to put together, as you've suggested before, a new Wyatt family, which I think would be great, especially if the long-term goal would be for him to feud with Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. Obviously, we're not going to know right away if that's going to happen, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't anticipate that these characters that were in the crowd are going to make a regular appearance on TV. Now, he may, he could have them, like, unmask, you know, and find out, like, one of them is uh, Dexter Loomis or what have you. Um, I'm kind of wondering about Abby the Witch, who that was, because <clears throat> normally I would just assume that it's Alexa Bliss, uh, but after Liv Morgan's little thing, that's a new character, uh, after her little incident with Ronda Rousley and her face and everything, I just don't know, and that's good. They've got me guessing because uh, that rarely happens these days in wrestling. So, but uh, these uh, these puppets that Ray have, they all have a meaning behind them. I was actually able to find this uh, today, actually, when I was doing some research uh, for the show. Abby the Witch is about supposedly uh, represents Ray's sister Abigail, a fictional character. Uh, she, Abby has a nun-like appearance, which also correlates to Abigail. Uh, also, the name is close to Abigail, Abby. Uh, Bray Wyatt used to repeatedly reference Sister Abigail as his savior in his promos. And then in 2015, uh, he even applied that uh, he would be nothing without her as she was the source of his supernatural powers. The relationship between Wyatt and Sister Abigail is unclear, but the latter uh, presidents showed that she was the spawn of Dave. Uh, she wasn't, but the spawn of the devil was capable of summarizing a seven-foot creature with pale eyes and horns, Satan, right? Whenever Bray, <laughs> Bray misbehaved. Uh, and it looks like she supposedly died uh, when uh, Randy Orton burnt the Wyatt family shack down. So I found that interesting. The Rambling Rabbit rabbit is a shot at Bray Wyatt's long and confusing promos as uh, the eater of worlds. 
Uh, it also serves as a symbol for the uh, fiend character. No matter how many times it died, the rabbit would always get reincarnated and come back. Uh, Bray often talked about following the buzzard. So it's natural that he has the buzzard. Uh, and the mercy name was inspired by a WWF superstar, uh, Waylon Mercy, who was Dan Spivey. Uh, the character based on a Max Caddy from the movie uh, Cape Fear, and that was a tribute by Ray because uh, that was one of his very close fr uh, friends. And then we have the last one, right? The last puppet of the Firefly uh, Funhouse is uh, uh, Huskus the Pig, and that's a representation of Bray Wyatt's former gimmick, gimmick in NXT, Husky Harris, who debuted in 2010 with Cody Rhodes as a pro, uh, and the puppet's uh, portrayal seems to indicate that Ray Bray Wyatt was constantly told during that character to lose weight. And if I mem if my memory serves me correct, Husky Harris was a pretty big guy back then. Uh, so I just thought that was some interesting uh, information. Do uh, you have any thoughts on that, sir? No, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I, I've I've often thought about what those characters were references to, and those those all make total sense. I mean, Abby the Witch I knew was a reference to Sister Abigail. Huskus the Pig I knew was a reference to his previous gimmick as Husky Harris. Uh, th thank God he didn't continue using that gimmick. Um, Ramblin' Rabbit may, makes total sense, too, because, yeah, a lot of people would say that about some of his promos over the years that he just sounded like he was rambling and he wasn't making a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad he's back. I think we're going to maybe find out some more information tonight. Uh, you know, cause yes, he's back, but we don't know what he's doing. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know who he's targeting, what he's going after. Uh, and I, I like it that way. I, I, I think they've played this beautifully. Uh, Best one I've seen in a long, long time, if not the best of all time. Uh, so let's move on to, uh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, a lot of your all's question was, what did we think about the pay-per-view in whole? And I've got to be honest, it's one of the best ones I've seen. I think it actually beat WrestleMania this year. Uh, I just have to be honest about it. That's my opinion. I know that's a bold statement, but I think it's the best pay-per-view they've had in 2022. Your thoughts? Oh, that is a bold statement. <laughs> um, well, one of the things I liked about it is that they didn't overload it with matches. All the matches that took place on the card served a purpose. They helped to further a storyline or or, conclu or conclude a storyline. And there was no uh, filler. So, so in a sense, maybe you could say it wasn't their most spectacular pay-per-view of the year, but you could definitely argue that it was one of their most... Um, most like effective pay-per-views as far as just keeping it just keeping it in line with what the, with the major storylines that are going on on TV and now and now we can either continue them or we can move on to something Did you fresh enjoy now. any of those matches better than Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar? I just from a spectacle perspective alone I'd have to say no. Uh, but, I, but, but I mean, they were still real, they were still really good. There really wasn't a bad match in the bunch. And that's definitely something I appreciated about the pay-per-view premium. Yeah, nothing event, seemed, me. uh, 
Nothing seemed rushed, uh, rushed in this pay-per-view. I agree with that 100%. Uh, the reason why I asked you that is because at the WrestleMania match between Roman Reigns and uh, Brock Lesnar, I thought that was the worst match that they've ever had against each other. I thought Survivor Series was a lot better uh, because they've heard from, you know, they actually listened to the fans that uh, they kind of have done it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so let's move on to AEW Rampage, the Battle of the Belts 5 results. And we had Rush, uh, Isaiah Cassidy, and Mark O'Quinn uh, versus John Moxley, Claudio, and Willer Yuta. Uh, the Blackpool, the Blackpool uh, Combat Club did win that match. Uh, that's no surprise there. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to mention real quick, though, uh, something very interesting that I'm sure is going to play a role, uh, maybe on Dynamite, maybe even this week. So this Saturday, uh, I don't know how many of you all know this, uh, like I said, I, I watch rest every every promotion out there. Uh, John Moxley has been the GCW uh, World Heavyweight Champion uh, for quite a while now, actually. Uh, longer than he's been AEW. He had the belt before then. And uh, before he was interim AEW Champion. And he had a, they had a uh, pay-per-view this Saturday as well. And uh, it was called Fight Club. It's their normal biggest show of the year. And John Moxley actually defended his title against Nick Gage, uh, who is a veteran in his own right and a fantastic. You may have never heard that name, but now that you've heard it, you need to go look it up and watch some of his matches. This guy, this guy's bad. I really like him. And this isn't the first time that they fought either. They've fought in uh, uh, GCW for a, for a long time now. John Moxley has always got the upper hand and always coming out on top. However, uh, so he fought against Nick in this match, and basically the stipulation was uh, John had the title on the line, and if Nick lost, he would lose his career. And that was kind of baffling because Tony Khan has this thing. Yes, you can go wrestle in other indie promotions, but my guy always has to win. That's, that's his clause. Now... Here's the thing. John Moxley loses the belt. He loses the match. But he loses it because of interference from MJF Stable and W. Morrissey, uh, the firm they call themselves, W. Morrissey came in and interfered, and he's the one that actually cost John Moxley the match. Now, last week, if you don't know, John Moxley re-signed to AEW, a new contract. And this contract is different than the one that he was on because now uh, he won't really be able to do, uh, he'll be able to do one-offs once in a great while uh, fight on uh, other indie promotions. It'll be very rare. But his full-time purpose will be for AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, who's partnered with AEW now. So I just thought that was interesting. I, I know that we're talking about Rampage, but uh, this kind of puts a new light on the feud with MJF, it's the only way. I mean, why else would they be involved uh, in a uh, promotion that they have nothing to do with? Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think it's really smart that AEW locked John Moxley down for a long-term contract. That is a big get for them, 
And because I, because honestly, I if, if the rumors are to be believed, Moxley had been working without a contract over the last few months. And that includes when he was the interim and uh, undisputed AEW world champion. And I'm willing to bet that Triple H or someone at WWE could have picked up the phone at any time and could have called him and said, John, if you want to come back to the company, we've got a spot for you. And he ultimately decided, I'm going to stay with AEW. They've been really good to me. I want to help them build something here. And I think, uh, you know, keeping him around long term, this allows you allows you to build more of a storyline between him and MJF. And you don't have to feel like this feud's got to wrap up too quickly. You want to make, if MJF does become the next AEW world champion, key, keyword, if he does, it's got to it's gotta mean something. And the only way it's going to mean something is if you have somebody there who is dedicated to AEW and is going to be there in the long term in, in the form, in this case, of John Yeah, you Moxley. said something interesting about Triple H could have picked up the phone. Um, he did pick up the phone, actually. And he did try to recruit Moxley. They actually, which you got to give credit to Triple H, man. He's a very smart guy. They actually went to John Moxley's wife, who used to be a commentator. And when they changed all the commentators and stuff, offered her a job to come. And she told them no because she felt like they were coming. And they were. I mean, she's smart. Uh, they were coming after her to get to him. <laughs> so... Uh, she told him no. She she's going to continue her podcast, and uh, then he resigned uh, last week. Shortly after that, um, with AEW. So, yeah. Uh, but that that would have been smart if they would have brought brought uh, Renee back, and then uh, of course he would have wanted to come work with his wife again. Who wouldn't, right? So uh, yeah. So the next match on the card was the Varsity Blondes versus uh, Tony Nice and Josh Woods. This is one of those matches that i thought was very boring and it didn't accomplish anything uh but it might have been fun for like if you were in the building i guess but uh yeah tony niece and josh woods won by easily easily so either pillman uh they need to break up this group first of all either they're going to give pillman a push or it, it may be time for him to go somewhere else uh i i didn't think he looked very good at all in this match your thoughts Yeah, this uh, Varsity Blondes team just, uh, they, they've overstayed their welcome at this point, and I think they need to break these two guys up. And Pillman, like I said, he's still young. He's got a lot of upside. He, I think he could benefit from going somewhere else. Um, maybe he'll go to New Japan. Maybe. I mean, maybe there's a possibility we could see him pop up in NXT or in WWE. You never know. Um, again, I don't know how long of a contract he's under with AEW, so that I'm sure will dictate if and when he could go anywhere else. But yeah, he definitely needs more television time and more. Yeah, seasoning. he. Uh, I, I still think, and I, I don't care which promotion he's with, but I still think he needs to do the lunatic. Uh, I think that would help him out a lot and uh, portray kind of like, you know, not not exactly like his dad did, but some something to that effect and. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I can see him doing that. He looks a lot like his dad, uh, his dad did back then. And, uh, he's got some of the same, uh, craftiness on the promos. So I think he could pull it off anyways. 
the next match was uh, Anna J and Tay uh, Mello versus, uh, and they're actually the uh, uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, and then uh, versus uh, Madison Rain and uh, Sky Blue. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't. I thought that Anna J and uh, Tay worked good together. Uh, they seemed to uh, didn't have as many hiccups as Madison Ray or uh, Sky Blue did. They did end up victorious, but it was one of them matches. I could take it or leave it. Your thoughts? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I figured that uh, Tay and uh, Anna were going to win this match. Um, it's good to see Madison Rain on TV because she's uh, she's pretty well established in the wrestling world from her success in uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, you know, again, not, not, not really too much at stake in this match, so it's hard to really comment. I, I'm just really going to say I think the yeah, right team and I mean, here. yeah, Madison Ray. I mean, she's pretty good. Velvet Sky was always my favorite of that group. So um, then we have the uh, trios for the trios titles. Uh, and this was Death Triangle. This was the match that actually is supposed to have been uh, number 10's mask versus uh, Andrade's career that uh, they canceled because of the altercation we talked about on the last episode. Uh, so we had the Death Triangle defending their trios titles against Dark Order, um, and the Death Triangle retained. Uh, the one thing that I thought was very cool uh, was I love, love, love the gear, the Joker gear that Pinto was wearing, man. I, I think that might be my favorite gear all year that I've seen uh, any wrestler in. I thought that was amazing. I didn't know. Did you get a chance to notice that? Or uh, a lot of people, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. I noticed. I was going to say a lot of people don't notice that stuff like I do, but uh, yeah. So, what did you think about the match? I thought it was a good match. Yeah, it was a good match. The right team won. There's, I mean, Death Triangle should continue to be booked to look dominant. I think eventually we're going to see a uh, we're going to see a collision between them and the Elite when the Elite are back on television, because once again the Elite they really are the um, I mean they really are the true trios tag team champions. I mean they never they never lost the belts. They had to forfeit them because of real life heat backstage, which we all know about. So I, I, I can't wait uh, until we see the eventual uh, matchup yeah, for these uh, titles. You're absolutely right. They never did lose the titles. And uh, the bad part about all this is they had to go through that stupid tournament and beat all these other competitors uh, and then just lose them, never even really have a chance to have them, not even 24 hours. So, yeah. Um, and then we had, so Pac actually uh, had double duty uh, that night. Uh, he had a, his match, as soon as that match was over, uh, he had to defend his uh, Atlantic Championship match or championship belt in a match versus uh, uh, Beretta, Trent Beretta. And uh, so Pac did win, uh, thankfully. But the, uh, this, uh, the orange-haired guy shows back up, and now they have a match. He has another shot at Pac's title. This is a mistake. If if they're going to do what I think they're going to do and put this belt on this Orange Cassidy punk, this is a mistake. You have the right, the only person, you have the right champion right now, in my opinion. The only person 
that should be able to take this title from Pac is somebody who I don't even know where he's at right now, and that's Miro. I, I, I have no idea. Why is this guy not on any of these live uh, television tapings uh, is beyond me. Now you've had the anniversary show. You've had the belt versus belt, the fifth annual show, and he's nowhere to be seen. It just, you're wasting him. WWE, I have to be honest, they didn't do much with him at the end, but they done a heck of a lot more with him uh, when he was with that company than he's since he's been with this one. Your thoughts on the match? Or... No, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I, I, I've, sa- I've said repeatedly that Orange Cassidy is fine in small doses when he's used mostly for, for laughs. And yeah, the guy does every now and then surprise you with his athleticism. But again, do I see him as someone who should be a title holder? No, I don't. Um, Pac definitely deserves the title right now. I, I think he's going to retain when they eventually face each other again. Um, but yeah, I mean, Miro, where, where is he right now? Uh, it's, it's, it, you forget half the time that he's still under contract uh, with AEW. Yeah, that match is happening on Dynamite, by the way, for the All-Atlantic Championship, uh, Orange Cassidy versus Pack. I'm telling you, Yawn. if it's going the way, why would they have <laughs> such a, a rematch so quickly? Because he got injured in their last match, and now he's back, and he has a rematch already. I just, the, I just have a bad feeling they're going to make a horrible mistake here. Uh, the next match was uh, uh, Jay uh, Cargill versus uh, Willow Nightingale. Now I have to say something. Uh, Willow Nightingale actually impressed me a little bit in this match. Uh, there was a couple times that I actually thought she was going to win. I don't know her. I think the first match I ever seen her in was the week before. Uh, or on Dynamite, maybe when uh, yeah, it was on Dynamite when uh, Paige was out there and uh, put her hands on Britt Baker. But uh, she actually, I-, I thought she looked pretty good in this match. Uh, she didn't win. I didn't expect her to win. But uh, the fun, the best part of the whole match, in my eyes, was Nyla Rose coming out there and still in the TBS title, <laughs> and she ran away. I thought that was hilarious, man. I thought that was so funny. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I was uh, impressed by what I saw from Willow Nightingale. Pleasantly surprised, actually, because she is also someone I had never heard of before. It's pretty clear that they're building towards a Nyla Rose-Jade Cargill match. As far as whether Nyla Rose will actually win the title remains to be seen. But, um, yeah, this was a well-done segment, even though I still feel like AEW needs to start putting the women a little bit more front and center on their weekly programming. Um, I still feel like they treat them as too much of an afterthought. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't, if Nyla Rose doesn't take the title and in this streak, uh, you might as well just let her stay undefeated for the rest of her career while she's under contract. You get the belt. I mean, who else is going to, I mean, <laughs> if she, if you're going to have this woman beat Nyla Rose, the former, uh, world, uh, female champion there. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't, and, and I can see Tony Khan doing it because he's a big Jade Cargill fan. So it'd be a mistake, I think. Um, so then we have, and I didn't even know this match was on the card, but FTR defended their title, uh, their tag team championship, uh, Ring of Honor, uh, to uh, Gates of Agony. Uh, Agony. Yeah, Gates of Agony. Uh, 
FTR did win, but I hate how they won. First of all, Gates of Agony, I'm not familiar with these guys, but, man, they impressed me. Uh, I thought they did a fan. That was a good match. I thought they did a fantastic job. I can understand why that match was actually in the main event. Um, but FTR won by a, a stinking backslide. I, I didn't care much for that at all. But uh, Brian Cage did run out there uh, to join his uh, ROH uh, allies to attack FTR. But here comes big old Wardlow. Blah, 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 blah. And Samoa Joe runs down there and they make the save or whatever. Uh, so I guess the funniest thing I've seen or the greatest thing I've seen out of this entire match besides uh, Gates of Agony, uh, you know, surprising me because I don't know him, uh, was the gun club. If you notice, they were wearing outfits mocking FTR. I thought that was hilarious. Your thoughts? Well, I'm just glad FTR uh, picked up the victory again. It's good to see the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions finally getting some TV time. Gates of Agony definitely impressed. And, I mean, the truth is AEW needs to still continue to build up their tag team division. And maybe this is their way of doing that, slowly but surely, introducing new tag teams. Um, you know, the, the whole post-match segment was what it was. Um, the Gun Club, I mean, yeah, it was funny watching them dress up as FTR. Do I think they stand a chance ever beating FTR in the ring? Oh, no, no, no. no. These guys are horrible. They'll never be their dad. Oh, by the way, uh, I heard that things have changed, and I want to throw this out there because we I talked about it on the last episode. I heard things have changed, and Tony Khan has a group made come to an agreement with Triple H, and Billy Gunn will be on Raw tonight at the DX anniversary. Now, that's just through the pipeline is what is what I've heard. Uh, originally, I heard that he wasn't. Tony Khan wouldn't approve it, and Triple H hardly put any effort into it as well, which shocked me to get him on the show. But uh, from my understanding, yeah, uh, I think Tony Khan wanted, uh, he wanted, he wanted a WWE wrestler to come on his show uh, one, t- you know, one time to pay him back. And uh, I guess Triple H told him he's crazy. Which that wouldn't have any storyline. Why would they, you know, that that doesn't make any sense at all. But anyways, uh, he is supposed to be on the show tonight. Now, that could change. I mean, who knows? That's just what I heard. Your thoughts on that? Well, that, that would certainly be a big moment if, if it does turn out to be true. But, you know, an AEW contracted talent showing up on a WWE program while they're still under contract. And truth be told... If you think back in the day uh, to the uh, the days of the territories, now I'm going back to like the 70s, different promotions would exchange talent all the time. And you're starting to see a little bit of it in the, in the wrestling world now with wrestlers appearing on like Impact Wrestling and AEW television and wrestlers going to New Japan. But very rarely do you see wrestlers from other big promotions come into WWE. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to there being some occasional appearances on WWE television from AEW stars and vice versa. I'm not saying this has to become a regular thing that happens all the time, but once or twice a year, I I, I wouldn't be totally opposed to it. I think it'd be smart for business. If, uh, if it fits a storyline, I agree. If it fits a storyline. 
But having a WWE superstar just out of the blue showing up on AEW doesn't make any, I don't know how they would do that creatively. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, But yeah, if it fits the storyline, like Billy Gunn, it fits the storyline. He was part of DX from the very beginning. Uh, Once, well, it was Shawn Michaels and Triple H forever. And then he added the the Road Dog and uh, Billy Gunn, but he was still there, like, as the group expanded right from the start. So, uh, yeah, so uh, the Dynamite card so far uh, looks like they do have a couple matches already booked. Uh, Ring of Honor World Championship match, Chris Jericho versus uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, the AEW All-Atlantic Championship is on the line, Pack versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, Tony Storm and uh, uh, Hikrua versus Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And then we're going to have Luchasaurus versus uh, Christian Cage, or with Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy, Jack. And then uh, also Swerve Strickland is going to be facing Billy Gunn uh, on Dynamite as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the first two matches I'm, I'm pretty interested in. The last three I'm, I'm not, so hopefully they'll add some more, something else more entertaining to the uh, card. Uh, your, your thoughts on that? Well, uh, you know, I've said it before. It would be, it would be a great way for his career to come full circle if the American Dragon were to win the Ring of Honor Championship from Chris Jericho. I don't see it happening on an episode of Dynamite. Personally, I think if this were a pay per view match, I could see it happening, but I don't think it's gonna. I think it's either gonna end in some sort of DQ or Jericho's gonna gonna get the dirty win. Um, and he's still going to be Le Champion of uh, Ring Ring of Jericho, as he calls it. Um, and then the all, and then I've already said my piece kind of about the All Atlantic Championship. I definitely think Pac is going to retain here. Yeah, um, I, I think that uh, you know Dan, Danielson has uh, he has come out on top every singles match that those two have had. So uh, you definitely got to do something. I don't know if it's. Uh, uh, Daniel Garcia getting involved and actually turning on uh, Brian Danielson. I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm like you. I think they've got to because they don't have that TV spot sold up yet. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's the entire reason why Jericho has that belt. Uh, don't get me wrong. The American Dragon does have a decent name, but he's not the GOAT. Not yet. Uh, so now we'll move on to SmackDown. Uh, we had the Intercontinental Championship match on the line. Uh, Gunther uh, does defend against Sheamus. Gunther does win. There was a lot of chaos at the end of the match. A lot of things happening. Um, I wasn't very happy. You know, that match actually ended like I thought it was going to end, but I thought they were going to have a rematch at, <laughs> to call for a rematch at Extreme Rules, but I didn't. That was before I knew that Sheamus and uh, Gunther was in the Imperial versus uh, the uh, in the uh, Donnie match. So, anyways, uh, Gunther did win. He retained his title. Uh, then we had, and I'll get you, I'll get you after I hit these next two. Uh, and then we had Logan Paul and, uh, Roman Reigns. They actually faced off. Uh, here's something that I thought was very interesting from that. So, uh, Roman Reigns looks at, uh, Paul Heyman. He goes, you know, tell, let him have it or put him in line wise, man, or something. And, and, and Paul Heyman goes over this big, long speech. I'm not going to go over it all, but he does say at the end, he goes, uh, in so many words, he goes, you're going to get smashed by the tribal chief. Logan, out of nowhere, I don't know where he pulled this from, 
it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, but he pulled it. He goes, uh, you are smart. You are a smart man. But when you say it's, I'll get smashed by the tribal chief, does, do you mean the tribal chief Roman Reigns or the tribal chief Jey Uso? Now, when he says this, Jey Uso acts like he's upset about it. But if you listen, the crowd, he gets a huge pop and they start chanting Usos. And then Roman Reigns, you can tell he's frustrated. And uh, he looks like I thought he was going to hit Jey Uso there for a minute. Sami Zayn, of all people, grabs the microphone and he tells uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso to take a deep breath. He says, Roman is the head of the table. He's the GOAT. And the tribal chief, nobody here is questioning that. Nobody is challenging that. This is his family. And he also told him that Jey Uso did nothing wrong. The only person that's doing anything around here was the wannabe <laughs> talking about the YouTuber, uh, Logan Paul. So, and, and then he goes on to say a whole lot more uh, for time reasons, though. We're not going to get down to that. But he did say that the bloodline will be stronger than ever and more united than ever. Because they are the ones. Now, here's the thing, right? Solo has a match with uh, Ricochet. He wins the match. It was a great match. Solo did great. Um, but then we go. It shows them backstage, and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman are watching the match, uh, and Sami Zayn is sitting there between uh, Jimmy and Jay Uso, and Jay once again gets mad at Sami for saying that Solo is a great addition to the bloodline. And Zayn tells him to stop being a hothead. Roman Reigns speaks up and says, yeah, you know what? Jey Uso is a hothead. It's been a problem their whole lives. And now, Sami Zayn, it's your problem. Because now, Sami Zayn is over Jey Uso. And, uh, and, Jay, and you can tell, I mean, that that, and it goes as far as they run into uh, the New Day in the back, and Sami Zayn, to Jay's dismay, sets up a match between uh, the New Day and the and the uh, Bloodline uh, for later that night. Uh, sh- I don't know, man. There's there's so much here. I think you're I think you were onto something when you said Sami Zayn's trying to tear him apart from the inside because uh, I never thought of it that way. I thought he would one day team up with Kevin Owens and, uh, you know, uh, take the titles from maybe the Usos. But I didn't think, I mean, I really think he's going to destroy these, this family uh, from the inside. So, anyways, I know that's a whole lot, but uh, I, I think it all kind of ran together. So, um, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's playing into kind of what I said. I mean, this is long-term storytelling, and, I can appreciate WWE for not moving this along quicker than they should. Um, it, it, it's like he's just planting the seeds here and there, the seeds of dissent, um, making Roman angry with Jay Uso, making Jay Uso angry with him even more. It's it's like this was all something that Sammy was planning from the very beginning. Um, still going to be interesting to see how it plays out eventually, but. Um, I mean, again, I just, I don't understand why Roman Reigns and the bloodline are being wasted against Logan Paul. Rome, of all the people Logan, I mean, uh, excuse me, Roman Reigns could be facing at Crown Jewel uh, 
this is who he's facing. And Logan Paul is another guy. He's fine in small doses. He's fine for your lower mid-card matches. Should not be main eventing a universal title match at Crown Jewel. But once again, we have to appease the, uh, you know, the, the leader of Saudi Arabia and wh- whatever he wants, we shall do. Even if it makes no oh, you mean the tyranny dictator over there? Yeah, we gotta we gotta make sure he's happy. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so then it shows uh, Hit Row, right? Another team that I don't know why they're around, but I enjoyed this segment because they were actually attacked by men wearing masks, uh, and uh, it was uh, Escobar, uh, and he drop kicks uh, Adonis. And I thought this was great because then we have Miss Vega, uh, uh, Malachi Black's uh, real-life wife. She's there. They all remove their mask, and they are called the uh, Legado del Fantasma. And this is their show now, so everybody stay safe. And then they walked off. I thought that was great. I, I really did. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, what do you think about that? That's, they were in, uh, I haven't seen them on NXT in a while, and uh, it kind of surprised me them showing up on uh, on SmackDown. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of things I noticed. First of all, I mean, obviously, Zelina Vega's back, and she's paired with them, which I think is an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, pairing. Um, it's great to see Legado Del Fantasma up on the main roster. And there's that continuity from NXT because they did feud with Hit Row back in the day. Um, I was curious to see the absence, though, of uh, Electra Lopez, who was the fourth member of Legato, the only female member originally. My my only thinking is that the only reason she wasn't brought up with them is that maybe WWE officials wanted to pair someone who was a little more experienced with Legato up on the main roster. Maybe she needs a little bit more seasoning in NXT, but uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not upset with this pairing at all. I think it's uh, Selena Vega is a better, in my opinion, a better manager than a wrestler. Uh, Some of her best work was with Andrade. Uh, I thought she was amazing as being his uh, handler, manager, whatever you want to call her. Uh, And I think that uh, I know they that she won the first ever Women's King of the Ring or whatever, but. Uh, they, they really, I mean, she was losing every single week before that as a competitor, whether it be against, uh, Carmella or somebody. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad. I hope that they keep it this way for a while. Uh, unless, you know, she man, maybe she'll get a whole, a whole faction together and start, you know, managers used to do that. They didn't have what you would call a faction, but they just managed, uh, different superstars. And, uh, maybe they'll do that with her. I don't know. I see a lot of old school stuff happening that I really like on WWE right now. Yep. I was pausing for you. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you, uh, no. Oh no, I was just saying, yep, I agree. <laughs> I do agree. I do agree that Zelina does work better as a manager. Uh, she's not, she's not terrible in the ring by any means, but I, I do agree she's better manager yeah, than a, yeah, a full time. And wrestler. somebody else, uh, a, a nice, uh, segue into the uh into the next one uh somebody else that made a lot better uh gm or whatever she was than a wrestler we had a tag team match uh sonia deville and uh exe versus uh shotzi and raquel rodriguez 
So, Shotzi and Rodriguez did win this. I'm going to tell you something, though. This match was so boring to me. It, it, it really was. And I want I really wanted to get into it because I like Shotzi, especially with the tank. Uh, but it was just, I don't know. It was one of them I-could-care-less matches. So, your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, this was the bathroom break segment on SmackDown. <laughs> it's not quite the point where I want to throw my remote at the TV, but it didn't do enough to really invest. Yeah, it was it was just was boring. On. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't upset. I could care less who won. It was just, and that's that's bad, right? Because that made it boring. So uh, then we had the six man tag team that Sami Zayn set up earlier. Uh, it was the uh, undisputed uh, tag team champs, the Usos, uh, with Sami Zayn. And they went against the New Day, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston, and their special guest partner, Braun Strowman. Uh, this match was okay. Uh, the New Day did win, end up win, and Braun Strowman end up winning the match. Um, the argument between Jay Uso and Sami Zayn, which actually cost them the match, uh, I thought was the best part of the whole thing. Uh, yes, Braun Strowman still looks dominant, what have you, but. It was just one of the matches where I'm so tired of seeing Xavier Woods and Kobe Kingston in these type matches. Uh, I'm just tired of seeing them on TV, I guess, altogether. But anyways, your thoughts on the match? Yeah, I mean, another New Day Usos match. I mean, we've seen it a thousand times. I mean, they put on some classics. Don't misunderstand me, but... You could only do the same pairing with tag teams so many times. And, of course, they threw in Sami Zayn and Braun Strowman into the match. The two of them have a little bit of history as well, dating back to 2020 when they were feuding over the Intercontinental Championship. But, uh, yeah, I mean, because there were no real stakes here, it was just a, six, a thrown-together six-man tag match. I didn't expect the blood yeah, to and win this I, one. It was, just like you said, it was a filler match, right? Uh, evidently they had more time at the end than what they thought they were going to. So they, they created a out of the air. It seemed like, um, so that was the, uh, last match of the evening. Uh, we'll go over the raw card. I know we're going over, but we'll go over the raw card real quick. Uh, they don't have many matches listed yet, which was kind of surprising, but they do have the, uh, degeneration X presenting their 25th anniversary, uh, celebration. And we all know, we don't know how long that's going to last. Um, I like this in a sense. The only thing my concern about this is I hope they don't start cracking the same old jokes because now you have a bunch of old guys with bellies in there uh, and it just doesn't make as, as much sense as it did back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So that's just my thought on that. Also on the card, they have... Uh, Roman, it says Roman, and here's how it was presented on the card, their official card. Roman Reigns and the Bloodline invade Raw. I don't know what that means. Uh, then we have the uh, United States Championship match, uh, as we talked about earlier, Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins. And then finally, uh, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, uh, faces off against Austin Theory. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all they've got listed so far. Uh, do you have any thoughts about the uh, Raw card? Well, the DX reunion is always fun. 
Sounds like a couple of decent matches on the card. I am curious to see what uh, what what wrinkles uh, we will see in the Bloodline saga. And I'm curious to see if we get another appearance you know, from Bray Wyatt You know, we need tonight. some answers a little bit anyway. Just a little taste of uh, answers of uh, his plans. Wouldn't you agree? Like, just a little bit. Like, the where he's going or even if uh, somebody's in the ring and the lights go out and his music plays and he's not even there. Uh, we need kind of some kind of direction. Would you agree with that or... Oh, 100%. Because he has been radio silent on Twitter. The only thing he said was there was a video of this little girl uh, going crazy watching him come out uh, at at Extreme Rules. And he said, this is why I'm back. I missed you all, too. That was it. He's been radio. (laughs) He's been radio. And Liv Morgan's Twitter is black now. She blacked everything out. It used to be all colorful in that. And her picture's even black now, and it says nothing. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Do you have anything left, or you want to comment on that? I just think I just think I find that fascinating. I don't know. They want to keep people guessing, and this and that's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> just uh, make her make her go uh, radio silent for a little while. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what they're going to do with her next. You know, and it's, that's uh, one thing that I love about Triple H's uh, WWE. Uh, we never seen before uh, barcodes where you scan and uh, all the things they did with the White Rabbit, and we've never seen WWE. Yes, they have a Twitter, but we've never seen them actually tell the wrestlers to play. You know, a lot of times on the on Twitter, the wrestlers try to show like, "Oh, I'm really human," and blah blah blah, and all this. And now that's kind of changed, and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. All right, folks, so you've been listening to Against the Match Wrestling Podcast with your hostess, the Kentucky Guy, and Donnie Cage. Thank you guys so much for listening. Do not forget, this Friday we do have uh, Warren Marlowe will be on there from Buzzing with Marlowe, uh, former professional wrestling, getting ready to have two, two something. I'm not going to get it out of the bag. I'll let him tell you all. Make sure you tune in Friday. Hey, once again, thank you all for listening. God bless and God bless America.